The parable we're looking at today is the story of the rich man and Lazarus. I'm going to look at uh, three C's. Because the rich man doesn't see Lazarus, we're going to look at three C's, totally different kind of C, um, to look at how we can understand this parable. The first C is contrasts. The second C is cluelessness. And the third C is the chasm. <clears throat> first, let's look at contrasts. Uh, Jesus set up this story very, very clearly to be a study in contrasts. First, we find that the rich man uh, was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. Purple was the most costly of dyes, and to wear purple is to wear something that demonstrates your wealth to the community. It demonstrates that you are, uh, you have arrived. So this man uh, was very, very wealthy. His clothing demonstrated his wealth. The only thing we see about what Lazarus wore was that he wore sores. He wore sores on his body. His poverty had led him to illness. Now, some people, depending on their perspective, I think about animals, uh, read um, part of this story differently. Uh, in verse 21, it said, even the dogs came and licked at his sores. And some say, oh, dogs, they're so sweet, they're so kind. They came and licked this man's sores to comfort him. Now, I have many times sat on the sofa having a snack and my dog comes up and sits with me and looks at me longingly and I just know how much she loves me and then I realize I have a snack and she wants it and when I realize what she's really looking at she's not looking at me she's looking at the snack now you can look at this these dogs as possibly being comforting and kind but you can also look at them as licking the sores because they tasted good, gross, right? But I think that may be a better view of the pathetic place that Lazarus was in as he um, lived his sad life. Look at the homes of these two men. The, the rich man lived in luxury. He had a gate. He lived in a gated community. He was wealthy. If you had a gate in that day, you were the wealthiest of the wealthy. Lazarus had no place. He lived at the entrance of this man's home without any home of his own. The rich man had plenty to eat. Lazarus waited for crumbs, which didn't always arrive. Interesting as we continue the contrasts, that Lazarus has a name. The rich man is not named, nor is any other character in any other parable that Jesus told. Only Lazarus is named. And I believe that is because God wanted, Jesus wanted to make a point here that Lazarus has value. Lazarus has unique value, and the name Lazarus means God will help. God will help me. Now, the contrast continues. There's one thing that both men have in common, and, and that is that both men die. 
and this passage records their death. But then, Lazarus is carried by the angels to the bosom of Abraham, to Abraham's side, while the rich man is buried. Post-death, this bosom of Abraham in the older translations, and here uh, he is carried um, to his Abraham's side. The word there really is a word that means um, closeness. So uh, there's an intimacy, a deep intimacy between Lazarus and Abraham as Lazarus is carried to Abraham. It's the same word that's used in John 1.18, where it says, No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. That in closest relationship is the same word used there as is used here for um, Lazarus being in closest relationship with Abraham. So, the rich man is alone. Lazarus is in deep fellowship. In verse 25, Abraham replied to the rich man's son. Interesting, right? He still calls him son. There is still love for this man. Remember that in your lifetime you received good things. Well, Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted and you are in agony. Before, there was just a gate separating the rich man from Lazarus, but according to Abraham, there is now a chasm that separates them. So let's look next at cluelessness, the cluelessness of the rich man. Lazarus lived at this man's gate, but the man never seemed to see him, to notice him, to care that he had no food, and to give him just even, even scraps from his table. Why? How? <laughs> Did he think he deserved wealth and Lazarus deserved poverty? Why? How? Anytime that we think that we deserve the wealth that we have, we need to be brought up short and remember, be reminded that all that we have is entrusted to us from God. We are indeed stewards of whatever we have. It is not, even if we've made money ourselves, it's because God has given us the abilities, the education, the opportunities to make that money. And no one should see someone who has less money as less valuable. Now, I'm going to tell you a story that I don't want to tell you, but I think it might be helpful. Earlier this, well, last week, actually, I was at the church and um, a man came to the door and uh, he said, food? The teachers were there, the, the preschool teachers, the nursery school teachers, and, and they had arranged for him to come and get food. He had come earlier in the week and, and he was turned away, but uh, one of the teachers said she couldn't sleep that night. She said, what if he's Jesus? And I, trying to be funny, said, oh, he's not Jesus. Uh, I've seen this guy around town before. And we all laughed. 
But then it was my turn. It was my turn to go home and have God continually bug me about my attitude toward this man. Now, in my defense, my, my thought was, I want to protect the teachers from having to deal with interruptions during the day, and I want to you know, help them um, do their very important job with the children and not have uh, to deal with this interruption. But this man, this man is a man. This man has a name. I know this man's name. This man is beloved of God. And this man is Jesus. For what we see in Matthew chapter 25 is this. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne glorious throne, all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people one from the other as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when would we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. I made sure to let the teachers know that I will be buying food for this man. And I am ashamed at my blindness to who he is as a beloved son of God. We all can be blind. We all can be clueless. But it's vital that we acknowledge that everything we have is entrusted to us from God, and nothing about us makes us any more worthy of having what we have than someone else who doesn't seem to have what we have. Wealth can be used well. Uh, in Luke chapter 8, uh, we read this, the twelve were with Jesus as they um, traveled about, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases, Mary Magdalene, from whom seven demon, demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them, the disciples, out of their own means. I love that. These women had their own means and chose to use those means, their, their wealth, to support Jesus and his ministry. Remember a few weeks ago, we looked at the rich farmer who decided he had such a great harvest, he would build bigger barns to, to keep all his stuff, and that very night he died. And he was told, now, now your wealth can be distributed to those who truly need it. Jesus in Luke 12 says this, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, 
a treasure in heaven that will never fail, for where no thief comes near and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is the problem with wealth. It is not evil in and of itself. But as Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 6.10, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and people pursuing money have been pulled away from their pursuit of God. And Jesus says it just verses before uh, the passage that we are looking at today. He says in, in Luke 16, 13, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The love of money steals your heart for God and steals your heart for the poor. It can give you a false sense of identity and value, as this rich man has in this parable. It's amazing uh, how blind, how clueless he actually is. Here he is in hell, and he says, Hey, Abraham, could you get Lazarus to go get me some water? He still doesn't get it. He still doesn't see the value of Lazarus, even as he is living the results of his disobedience, his carelessness towards God. Jesus says your heart will be guided by what you love. And if you love God, you will have your the proper valuing of your money, your wealth, and you will use it to serve others. You will use it to glorify God. You will use it in, in non-selfish ways. But if your heart is guided by your money, you will be blinded to the ways of God. You will be blinded to see what God sees in the value of other people. So finally, we've looked at the, the contrasts between Lazarus and the rich man, the blindness or the cluelessness of the rich man and the chasm that is now and was before between them. There was a chasm between them when they were both alive that could have been bridged easily by the rich man, but never was. And now is, there is a chasm between them as one is seen to be in heaven and the other is seen to be in hell. Now, this is a parable. Uh, much has been written about trying to understand the realities of heaven and the realities of hell from this parable, and I don't think that's a wise thing uh, to write about or to be con too concerned about because, again, this is a parable. It is not meant to uh, describe the ultimate realities, but to help us understand uh, our life now and that our life now does indeed have eternal consequences. And how then is this chasm created? C.S. Lewis said that God gives us a choice. He says, I have redeemed you in Jesus Christ. I reach out to you and I call you to myself. Will you come? And the choice then is ours to make. Will we come? Will we um, adopt the mindset of God, the heart of God? 
will we realize that because we are so forgiven, we are called to forgive others and live in service to others? Or will we say, no, thank you. I want to make my own rules. I want to make my own way in the world. I want to do my thing. And when we say we want to do our thing, we're saying we don't want to do God's thing. So God then leaves us alone and lets us reap the consequences of doing our own thing, of measuring our value ourselves. Hell is being self-satisfied, self-sufficient, self-justified, self-important. You are left to yourself by yourself. The rich man is in agony alone. Lazarus is in the bosom of Abraham, meaning in deep, deep fellowship with God and with God's people. Heaven is being included in the family of God, included in the reign of God. And hell is being separated. And many theologians will say separated by our own choice not to receive the forgiveness that God offers us and the renewed minds and renewed hearts that are ours when we trust in him, follow him, and serve him as we serve those around us.